Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, sipping his hopefully decaf tea, my good buddy and producer extraordinaire, Cameron McCoy. Cameron, how you doing, friend? Good, man. It's a it's a decaf chai, for if you're curious. Well, don't fall asleep on me in the middle <laughs> of the... I hope it's not a soothing herbal. Um, dude, can we just talk, old man, like, talk real quick? Yeah. I can't do, like tea in the evenings then i'll wake up at three in the morning go into the bathroom like i i have to get off that <laughs> like it's just straight up water for me after a certain time in the evening i've had a bladder steal my entire life it might change here in the next couple of years but i'm gonna just keep on rolling with it hey good for you man good for you um shout out to all my other 3 a.m boys out there <laughs> um anyway cameron uh We've kind of gotten both the experiences of what's new, like what's the experience with Magic this week. I stayed home, played Digital Cube. You went out. You played some Lord of the Rings. I, I'm really, I'm really interested to hear about this experience because I wasn't able to get out to do this, and I felt pretty guilty about it from the show perspective. But I've heard largely positive things about the limited experience. Um, if I'm being 100 percent honest, I still am not very clear on the ring tempts you. Like how I'm supposed to chart that, how did that happen? So I'm really interested in that mechanic specifically, but also your experience. So go. Yeah. Uh, so the Lord of the Rings set. Uh, first and foremost, uh, I'm just going to be a broken record here. Why in the heck was this not a standard legal set? Because I got to be honest, playing a lot of these cards, they're not going to make a huge impact in modern. And it seems like they'd be totally fine in standard. And... You know, we have a new injection of cards. So I just want to lay that down. There's my, I guess, um, you know, existential question of, like, why, Wizards, why? <laughs> it, it is also, like, the power level seems weird, right? Like, if mm -hmm. you knew it was only going to be modern legal, why didn't you push it? Maybe it was standard legal at one point, and then they decided to peel back from that for reasons. But it just seems like if this set is selling so well... Why not make it? Because apparently, from all the anecdotal evidence, it's selling super well. If you're looking at you standard, this would be a good way to do that. Anyway, continue. Yeah, yeah. So, um, as far as flavor, this is great. <laughs> I mean, it's Lord of the Rings, Magic the Gathering. That Venn diagram is almost completely a perfect circle, right? Total eclipse <laughs> of the heart there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I mean, it, in a lot of ways... While the power level of these cards might be more powerful than, let's say, a core set, um, in a lot of ways, the way the mechanics all kind of play out, it felt very much like a core set. I mean, like, I played, like, mainly green, splashing white, tree folk, elves, humans, you know, and, like, it felt very much kind of like that sort of set. And what I played, I really, really liked. Um... I only played three. I lost two. I wasn't really kind of in it. I was just kind of just experiencing it. So, I mean, I was not in it to win it at, you know, after my first loss, I would say. But um, overall, I really liked a lot of just like the general flavor of what this set brings. Um, just, I think we talked about this maybe earlier when the set was initially spoiled. Some of these cards 
are very on par with where I think they are in the world of Lord of the Rings. And then there's a lot of other cards that are kind of like, uh, is, is Gandalf really a three and a blue, two, four? You know, like I, I just that sort of thing where like I can't actually remove my brain from the lore of this set because this is so ingrained with like how important certain characters are to the story and you know you know the the history of like this world where like some of these are like essentially gods like what mm-hmm. are we talking about you know um but overall if i remove that part of my brain and just enjoy this as a magic set um it's great i, I mean there's a certain things like there's a minus two minus two instant golem's bite that just feels right on par with like insert black instant minus two minus two spell right i mean like it's exactly like that so while everything has a flavor of lord of the rings like it just felt very much like playing just classical basic back to basics magic and in that sense i really liked it um once again i think this sort of set would have been really good in standard, I, I just I'm looking at a lot of these cards, and I just don't know what sort of like actual overarching impact it would actually have had on the set. Um, like I said, I don't think like a lot of these cards are going to be that great for something like modern. There's going to be some modern playable ones, but this is not Modern Horizons two, right? Like we're not mm-hmm. seeing that level of power creep in these creatures and in these instant sorcery speeds spells or anything like that. But like, really you could have done that, right? Like, I feel That's, like, yeah, you were talking about Gandalf or the one ring. Like, it feels like those could be like very high end modern staples and no one would bat an eye. So I, I guess I would just love to be in the room when they're, they were discussing the power level of this set and kind of how they landed where they landed because clearly this was an intentional decision to put the set where it is, right? Like, I don't think it was accidental. Um, but I'm also really intrigued by this set because I'm going to be experiencing it almost entirely as a booster draft set. Like once those cards go into my collection, they shan't go anywhere else, which is not that big of a deal. Like, you know, whenever I did the shadows over Innistrad remastered, like, you know, I guess I played those an explorer, but mm-hmm. most of those cards were not playable in Explorer. So I get that I'm paying for the draft, and that, and that's not really that big of a deal. But in your mind, this set seemed like a – it felt very corset-ish and really solid in that way. It just felt like classical magic in a lot of ways. They just had a skin of Lord of the Rings where it's like, oh, look, it's Eelzordor. You know, I mean, just mm-hmm. I mean, it, things like that. Oh, there's an Ent, and it's just a tree folk. You know what I mean? Like – yeah, like I said, like that Venn diagram is just very much one and the same. I, I got to be honest with you, I'm feeling a little bit of regret of not going out to play and instead staying in and playing cube. Mm. Um, this was, like I said, even though I'm saying like it felt like a corset, it was very different. And I like, you know, I spent 35 bucks and I thought like I had an afternoon's worth of fun. Like I got a lot out of it compared to what we'll be talking about with my other afternoon of fun, which was not fun at all. <laughs> um, and, I mean, think about the ROI if you would have opened the One Ring, Cameron. Just missed it, you know? Oh, like, man. Just missed it. Just missed it. Um, like, I was thinking about that. Like, you open it, you're just, you're just sprinting out of the store, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, there's no question about it. Like, see, yeah, I'm out. Like, 
means I'm kicked out of the store forever, so be it. Like, yeah, you know, like whatever. I think I think most store owners would understand. I would be like, oh, guys, really bad stomach thing, and then gone. Yeah. Um, I I just want to say as well. Um, I gave maybe the R and D team in my head a very hard time initially when the one ring was released as a four of that is a, just a legendary artifact, whatever. Right. Um, but in the context of, of this game now, um, and like, if you're trying to experience kind of like the journey of Lord of the Rings and you want to, everybody wants to experience that one ring, right? You want to be a part of that adventure or whatever. Maybe you don't, but like, that's kind of like that main thrust of the story. Well, it's still dumb that this is just a four mana artifact. <laughs> I, I still thought like the implementation of it worked pretty well. I did not see anybody playing with the the ring bearer emblem that you can get. I didn't see anybody playing with that. But I'm just in the context of like what this set is and how you're experiencing the tree folk or ents, I, I'm sorry, and you experience like Kaza Doom and all these things, having that element there, I, I guess I'm acquiescing. It's fine. It's kind of fun. I'm, I'm, I'm in it. You know, it's fine. Well, to me, it, it's like D and D. It, it yeah, really fits. That's exactly it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'll just be this guy. I know it's every, up to everybody's taste. Street fighter does not fit to me. Right. Walking dead does not fit to me. D&D fits. Lord of the Rings fits. Warhammer, yeah. I don't know that I know enough about. And honestly, I'm not a commander player, so I haven't seen those cards. So I don't really feel comfortable like shooting off my judgment on that. But like, ultimately, magic is traveling to different planes. And I'm more interested in the feeling of balance and competitive quality over, quote, the lore vibe, right? Um, and so I, I guess what I'm saying is that's not the most important thing to me. Um, and Lord of the Rings, I think, is a solid fit. But, I mean, they could do a D&D set every year, and I think that would be fine. Yeah. Um, Cameron, I want to talk to you about the Chromatic Cube. So, as you may or may not be aware, Vintage Cube happens before a new set on Magic Online. And we get stuck with this Arena Cube before sets, and I like to hit it pretty hard. Um, the chromatic cube is very much meant to be, you are usually a four or five color deck. And the problem with it is, so first of all, I had a terrible run with this. Because what ends up happening with this is it's so out of balance as a cube that the four mana, I should say three mana and below stuff is horribly lacking and very difficult to get through. But Ever, all the top end stuff is there. So what ends up happening is nobody does anything for like three turns. And then it's eight, nine, ten mana bombs. And yeah, like, I, of course, sometimes you can counter it or whatever. But it just feels like everyone is a four color ramp good stuff deck. And it really feels uninteresting. And yes, sometimes there's novelty and losing to something silly or winning through something silly but nine times out of ten it just feels kind of ridiculous right like mm. there's not a good way to build an aggro deck in this thing so it's just out of balance i guess is maybe a better way of putting it um 
I've had multiple decks where I've really liked the top end, but I could not get enough cards that were three mana and below. Um, <laughs> it's which seems weird, right? But yeah, like, yeah. they just put a real premium on that, and everyone's drafting the same kind of deck. And I've really not liked the direction that they've gone. But the bigger problem is the increasing reliance on alchemy cards. Stop me if you've heard this one before, but they're almost all busted and almost all completely uninteresting. And I've honestly lost multiple matches to them because I didn't understand exactly how they played or I played them improperly. Um, You know, things like, because they have this mechanic is conjure where you get a copy of an opponent's card or a card out of their deck, but it's not a token. So like, I bounced it thinking it would vanish, but it actually went right back to their hand. So they created a copy of a creature that was in my deck, but it became a permanent card, not a token, right? And so my brain is just so glued into playing magic that I think, oh, they've got a token of my thing, and I don't process these alchemy rules. Um, I also lost twice horribly to this creature that shuffles the power nine into the opponent's deck, which is shockingly unfun and kind of irritating because it's like, wait, you guys have the power nine on here. Can we not just have a vintage cube, Mm -hmm. right? And again, I I could go on and on, but the the truth of the matter is I was kind of like not really vibing with it. (laughs) I lost like two in a row, three in a row, and finally I had a win. And then my power went out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and that's how I lost out. But I probably cubed like six times this weekend. Okay. And really poor results. But if I'm being honest with you, Heart was very much not into it. And the only deck that I constantly, I should say, I had above average results with was anything with a counter spell. Because everybody's playing these big ramp spells that eventually if you just are able to get some early game going and then counter whatever their 10, 12 mana thing is, you're fine. So I I would really like this cube to undergo some pretty huge changes. Um, I don't think it will. I think this is their avenue to get some people introduced to alchemy cards. But, I mean, it's like getting your taxes done, Cameron. It's every bit as bad as you think it is. Like, <laughs> they, are, they are terribly designed, abysmal, awful, bad cards that should be erased from the game's history forever. I don't say that lightly, but I 100% mean it. I I agree. Whoever designed these cards, please stop. They're not good. (laughs) Like, they they just feel very amateur. It's hard to explain until you actually play with them, but it's like the quality by which you're used to card games operating, these things don't. Like, they don't feel like they've been tested nearly as much. And last thing I'll say is uh, the adjusted casting cost on certain cards got me to... Uh, Omnath costs one more mana than he does in on paper, and that completely destroyed me for a game. I thought I was going to cast him on turn four, and nope, can't do it. So, um, anyway, I would recommend going out and playing Lord of the Rings over the Chromatic Cube. Yeah, that's Um, fair. Is is, is the bottom. (laughs) But I will also say this because the top end of these matches are so ridiculous, and I'm casting an eight mana spell that does this, and you're casting a nine mana spell. It's probably best to be in the two out of three cube because, or two out of three cues because sometimes you just feel super blown out and there's like nothing yeah. you could have done about it. Um, also, last thing I'll say about this is if you miss a land drop in this format, dead. 
you are 100% dead. And I'm not talking about missing land drop two or three. I'm talking about missing land drop four, five, and six. Like, you have okay. to hit every single one. So, ugh. All right. So, Cameron, other thing I want to talk about with Magic just super fast today. Some I would call this good news. Um, MagicCon uh, Las Vegas, they're introducing a $100,000 prize pool limited open. Limited maybe being the last gasp of what used to be competitive Grand Real Prix competitive Magic. Ma- yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I know people are going to say, what about Pioneer? What about Modern? Like and the, the PTQ or RCQ scene. It's kind of like the old system used to be, but not really because you kind of can become that guy. You can become, hey, I'm always Lotus Field. I'm always Mono Green and Pioneer. I'm always Amulet Titan and Modern. And you don't have to adjust and play test the way you used to for the standard Grand Prix, which were, I think, much more cutthroat in terms of innovating on a deck, mm-hmm. right? Um but I think limited is still that, right? Like you have to practice the format a ton. Um, and I'm really heartened by this, which is not something I've said about competitive play in a long time. I am not going to this event, but this is the most I've ever wanted to go and like train up and go play in a long time, Cameron. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I wouldn't stand a chance, even whatever, but like just to be around that, like, I mean, 2,000 people, man, all in it, you know, for a whole weekend. Like, get excited kind of just thinking about that possibility of just being around that and experiencing that and just seeing, like, really high-level magic. Um, something you don't see too often anymore. And uh, to just kind of see it all in one weekend for a giant event like this with actual money and stakes and just reading through everything... I understand how to get there. <laughs> it's all yes. great. Like, I mean, it's all great. It's awesome. Yeah. So sealed day one and then two, three rounds, uh, uh, two, three round wild of Eldraine drafts. And then the top eight is a single elimination draft. One table, one draft, like exactly the way God intended it to be. Right? <laughs> Seriously. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this really, I mean, let's be honest, this pulls a lot from, poker like competitive poker that kind of vibe of the Mm -hmm. top table and all those kinds of things um but also kind of a celebration of i think the last like real skill ceiling in magic is is limited magic right like true there's there's a ton of different tiers that happen there where i feel like and again this isn't me casting aspersions because i actually think pioneer while i have some concerns is a very very good turn for competitive magic i think pioneer is a great thing compared to what modern has been. Uh, but it, it is still like, if I'm just the Lotus field guy, then I'm just testing a bunch of matchups and not really tuning or innovating. Mm-hmm. And this is still, you got to be good on the fly. You've got to be good on the moment. You got to be good against these other guys that have gotten that far in the draft. Like mm-hmm. this top eight actually means something. Yeah. It doesn't mean you like, you were the lone guy to show up with dredge when no one had graveyard hate, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah. There's a difference. And, and, and attacking with creatures matters. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm trying to think of the last time that even mattered that much in standard. I guess it kind of right. matters in this standard. Sure. Yeah. But to your point, man, like modern pioneer, what's the attack deck? What's the last time you were in combat and someone had to block? 
think it was 2014 and it was some <laughs> sort of <laughs> yeah no man like i would be willing to bet some amount of high-end modern players don't actually understand how to stack damage in combat like for first strike or banding or any of that right like sad but true yeah and i, I remember that was a stereotype like when i was a legacy player i don't know how many times you know like i would double block and people be like what <laughs> you know <laughs> judge <laughs> but that was the thing with maverick is sometimes yeah. you could like get into this combat stuff or you could like maze of it your own knight of the reliquary and people would have no idea anything about the combat steps you know um anyway i think this is just a net really good thing we're about to talk about a net really bad thing cameron <laughs> so let's get out of this segment come back and talk about the flash So, Cameron, we did the unfortunate thing where we allowed ourselves to complain about movies before we were hitting record. Um, so, I know your thoughts on this movie. I'm not going to even be pretend. I'm not going to pretend to even be surprised by them. But let's just lay it on the audience. You saw the Flash. The um, I would say controversial release. Like for a while, this movie wasn't going to come out. Mm-hmm. Um. It's kind. Of, is this going to be the last Zack Snyderverse DCU movie? I think there's another Aquaman. Cameron, why? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So late on me, man. What did you think of the Flash? Yeah, it, it's um. The one good thing I can say is that um, the the writers really kind of said nothing really matters in this universe. So, like, let's just go ahead and maybe wipe it. And they've already <laughs> wiped from existence one of the main characters from the uh, Justice League universe. Um, and I'm sure more and more will happen. So, yeah, The Flash, man, it's, um, it's kind of messing with Crisis on Infinite Earths, the, the Flash, the, the seminal, oh, my gosh, I'm losing my mind. What Flashpoint. Is it called? Flashpoint, the seminal Flash work um where he goes back in time so it kind of deals with certain things along those lines um if you've watched the trailer i'm not spoiling anything from you he wants to go back in time save his mom from dying and in doing so not only does he time travel and time doesn't work the way that it does in like back to the future where you just create a different path but you actually hop a completely different universe and so he accidentally hops into what is the Michael Keaton, Tim Burton, I think an iteration of the, it's that universe. I mean, there's a lot of references to Jack Nicholson's Joker and all these other things from the Tim Burton stuff. Um, and then it's just him trying to essentially right the wrong that he created, which is like, there's no Justice League, there's no Superman, there's no meta humans or anything like that and he's trying to write it uh the issue is it dc <laughs> yeah yeah dc <laughs> thinks that its cinematic universe is on par with marvel and marvel has a lot of faults but let's be honest for like those 10 years from iron man to the last avengers movie I mean, they were they had a plan and they executed it, and I felt like it all kind of wrapped up really nicely in a nice little bow. Um, 
I mean, like, why are we going back to Man of Steel and like the the Zod storyline and just revisiting the same uninteresting characters time and time again, um, and even dif- different iterations of it? It just, I don't know. It just sours me a lot. So like, I kind of sat in this movie, didn't really enjoy the story. I mean, it had some interesting, fun kind of flash things like that you read in the comics like oh that's kind of fun how how he goes about saving somebody like all that stuff ripped out of the comics i i enjoy that so like maybe that's a shining little beacon in this story but dude um the special effects are kind of a train wreck there's a scene at the beginning of the movie where he's rescuing babies and it looks like the babies from like that screensaver from like the late 90s it is so bad. Awful. And when they get into kind of like the multiverse thing of DC Warner Brothers properties, essentially, of Christopher Reeve Superman, uh, Tim Burton Batman. I mean, spoiler, sorry. But, I mean, it goes on and on and on. Like, for the last 80 years of media of of DC stuff, I mean, it shows everything. And, like, you know, some of these characters are dead and they do the Princess Leia thing and the uncanny valley of it is just awful. Like, absolutely awful. Like, I I swear, like, PlayStation 5 graphics for insert Uncharted here look better than (laughs) with some of the stuff they did with inserting some of these characters back into the the franchise. So uh, two big thumbs down for me. Um, my, like I said, the, the shining hope is that maybe like somebody can just completely wipe the Snyder verse away and just do what this, what those characters deserve. They need to like, just remember who these characters are and make good stories around them. Uh, it's interesting. I'm actually watching some of the justice league animated show with my son and daughter, uh, my daughter's run through it a couple times over the like she's 16, so she's mm-hmm. has certain cartoons she hits over and over again. Avatar: The Last Airbender, this, and it's like th- the sad thing is, is a bunch of these stories have been told really well by DC <laughs> and other media, right? Like, um, I think you could argue that Infinity War really has only existed in the comic and right in the in the film. There wasn't an animated version of it that was really amazing yeah, before that. Sure. And with Flash, um, it seems like if you have no buy-in to the character, jumping to the time travel story seems a little strange. Like, that seems like a really, you need to be invested deeply in the character. Like, the TV show, this is like a season three or season four storyline, mm-hmm. right? And it makes you wonder what the calculus was because... They greenlit this movie, but then they wrapped the Batwoman movie, right? And then they canned it, mm-hmm. but it's like done. So it makes you wonder, like, was that good or not good? And then I guess the now the Robert Pattinson Batman stuff is going to move forward, but be not tied to anything else, which I think is probably for its benefit, right? Yeah, it is. For um, sure. But yeah, anyway, I, I, I think you're right that they... The executives must think that they're Marvel, but it just, it's so weird because the actual comic book world, 
the DC side is super organized like a machine right now. Mm-hmm. And Marvel can't seem to get its stuff together hardly at all outside of Spider-Man. And it's like completely opposite on the cinematic world. It, it, it's so strange. I, I, it's hard to wrap my head around. Yeah. But I can, I can only assume it's because the DC, like the Warner Brothers executives have no idea what's going on in DC Comics. They just say, just do your thing. It's just a property and they, they want money. And like, yeah, they seem to always just be playing catch up and not really like just let's plant our flag and really own it. Yeah. And step one would be a good Superman movie. Please. Yeah. Like a real Superman movie. Not, not the don't help. Dad told me not to help anyone. Superman. Yeah. <laughs> I'm snapping necks. Snapping necks. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so Cameron, I, what do you know about Final Fantasy 16? Um, it looks pretty cool. I so here's here's the storyline. So supposedly is they were alarmed at the amount of lack of pre-orders, so they decided to release a demo for the first two hours. So it comes out in like four or five days. But I love that they're, they're like panicked about the amount of pre-orders. It's like, maybe it's because you're trying to release it within three weeks of Zelda, of Diablo 4, of Street Fighter 6. Maybe that's the problem. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. Um, <laughs> like, what? Uh, but anyway, the demo. So I downloaded it. I just finished it this morning. I, I played through all two hours. It's very story heavy. Um, but I would say the, uh, the in-engine cutscenes are very, very, very well rendered look good, very well acted, much more like Vagrant Story or like it doesn't actually feel like a Final Fantasy. Um, clearly they were, I would say, very inspired by Game of Thrones. So they kind of have that tone to it. It's very self-serious anime versus bright, colorful. It's, it's very medieval. Um, you know, I would say... By the end of the demo, I felt that there were moments where we went a little too deep on the grim dark side for the sake of it. There's one moment where someone gets completely slaughtered and you're like, why <laughs> did they just do that? There's like yeah. no actual reason. But it's got the political intrigue and, oh, this character betrayed this character. And the uh, other element of it is the production values are through the roof. One of the big complaints I've had about this generation of consoles is almost nothing feels like it is of the current generation, right? Mm-hmm. Horizon uh, Forbidden West, unbelievable looking game. That came out on PS4 as well. God of War came out on PS4 as well. Demon Souls is kind of like the lone one that I was like, that cannot be done on a PS4. It looks mm-hmm. amazing. And there just hasn't been much of that. Returnal looked okay. Um but this game is like clearly, yeah, it's definitely got it uh, like under the hood and feels like a next gen thing. It's very action heavy. Apparently, some of the Devil May Cry guys worked on the combat. So hmm. the combat is, I would say, in a good middle ground between like a Final Fantasy 13 and an actual action game. Um, but I just, I just thought it was cool and interesting. Um, it, it feels like Final Fantasy Tactics Vagrant Story, that world. Um, and the writing and all that stuff was top notch. I, I really enjoyed my two hours with it. So I would say if cool. somebody's on the fence, I think it's PS five exclusive. Yeah. At least for the first year. Right. I, I don't think it's <laughs> I coming out long, on PC, but... 
Well, forever there's been rumors that Square is about to get bought by Sony as well, because this is what, you know, the nature of the beast these days is companies buy other companies. Um, but I would definitely uh, recommend giving it a download and giving it a go cool. between Zelda sessions. Which is <laughs> <laughs> it's all you can do these days. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Anyway. So, Cameron, if someone would like to get a hold of you and talk to you about their favorite kind of tea to drink in the evenings, where could they find you? It's on Twitter at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I am at Curtis Now. Our official show feed is at SpikeBeatMTG. We'll check you guys next week. <laughs>